I invite you to stand as you are able for the reading of the gospel. Today's reading comes from Matthew chapter 5, I'm sorry, chapter 6, beginning with verse 9. We're beginning a series on the Lord's Prayer, and this is Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer, beginning with chapter 6, verse 9. Like many teachers of his day, Jesus taught his followers to pray. Pray then in this way, he says. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated and let us pray. O Lord, use your servants' lips and your people's ears and hearts that they may be wed, that the seed of your word might be planted and brought forth with a resurrection joy. Amen and amen. It was 20-plus years ago when I sat down with a singularly unpleasant elderly fellow and invited him to church. He didn't take the invitation particularly well, and he slammed his hand down on the lazy boy armchair where he was sitting, and he said, I can worship God right here in my chair just as well as I can worship Him in that church where you are pastor. Well, he's wrong about that. Once again, we do have this tension We have this tension between our faith in solitude, between going off to pray and to discover God's will for our hearts, and the time of gathering together in worship, the time when we sing hymns, when we hear the Word of God proclaimed and the Scriptures read. There is this tension between solitude and community, but let us never mistake the two. We can't get past the first word of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew's Gospel without recognizing we're in this together. For those of you who are grammar nuts, who love literature, the word our is the first person plural possessive. It's not the first person singular, my. It's not the third person There, it is you and me together. It is our Father. He is our God. He is our Lord and our Savior. We're in this together. Two 19-year-olds were preparing to get married, and the young man approached his no-nonsense, soon-to-be father-in-law with the news. His father-in-law said, you're mighty young to be taking on a family. The young man said, but I don't want the whole family. I just want to marry Dorothy. (laughs) Those of you who've been married know 
that really there, there is this joining not just of two individuals, but of, this, of these two families that, that come together. And whether you know it or not, it is two families that come together because I carry with me all that my parents taught me intentionally or unintentionally. Melinda carries with her all that her parents and their parents taught her intentionally or unintentionally. We're in this together. And when we say the Lord's Prayer and begin with this first person plural and say our, hear me, dear Christians. We are acknowledging that we are in this with each other. With everybody in this room, we're in this together. We're in it with the Presbyterians and the Catholics and the Episcopalians and the Baptists and the Pentecostals. We are in it with those who speak English and those who speak Spanish. We're in it with those whose cultures and lands are far different than our own. We're in this together, dear friends. Our Father is the one to whom we pray. We're in this together, but we're also in this together as family. Think of all the images that the Bible gives us of God. There is the image of God as a mighty warrior who swoops in on the wings of the wind. There is the image of God the shepherd going after lost sheep. There is an image in theology of God as the ground of all being. And yet, when Jesus teaches us to pray, He teaches us to pray in deeply personal terms. Our Father. The image that God offers is the image of family, of the kind of intimacy where men and women and children together make up a unified body to encourage, to love, to learn. We're in this together, and we're in this together as family. We don't always get to choose our families those of you who come from large families know that if you've got six or seven siblings, there might be a couple that you would have chosen, and there are some that if they had just been your neighbor across the street, you never would have had any kind of communication with. You'd never be friends. You'd probably not even go out to dinner together. And yet, in a family... Even those families who, when we gather for Thanksgiving and Christmas and Easter dinner, when there are generations from several different branches and politics begins to be discussed and some go over to the right and some go over to the left and there are some that you just don't want to listen to anymore but your family. Your family. And it's important for families to get together. We're family here in this church. I remember one church I served where when I stood up on Sunday morning, there were those who sat on the right and there were those who sat on the left and something had happened two generations earlier. Nobody could remember what it was. 
But something had happened between the grandparents and each generation, and that old dispute had gone down to the children, and even the grandchildren had some awareness that they weren't supposed to talk to those on the other side. The most amazing thing happened, though, even though they were in different sides of the church and never really had a whole lot of conversation going on when communion would occur. Here they would come side by side to receive the body and blood of Christ broken and shed for them. There was no division in the communion line. I wanted to serve communion at the beginning of church, in the middle of church, at the the end of church, maybe make them mingle a bit. They were family, whether they wanted to be family or not. Of all the images Jesus could have chosen to focus upon, he chose to focus on the image of Father. Now, we live in times when the, the family is fractured in any number of ways, and fatherhood and even motherhood are not necessarily seen as pristine examples in our world. And yet, God calls us to have a holy imagination. God calls us to see not just what we've seen in our own past, with our own baggage, God calls us to see the possibilities. God invites us to call him Father and to join together as a family. Now, there are different images in Scripture, images of God as king, images of God as shepherd, images of God as mighty one, images of God as mother. In Isaiah 66, 13, we have this beautiful image. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. You will be comforted in Jerusalem. But Jesus reminds us as he teaches us to pray. Jesus reminds us that we have been invited to be a part of a family. We have been invited into this loving relationship. We're in this together as family. We're in this together as a family of faith. We call out not only to our Father, we call out to our Father in heaven. Bishop N.T. Wright says that heaven is the control room It is the place behind the scenes where God resides, where all of history is spread out before him and where our lives are woven together like a tapestry. We don't see God. We don't hear God in the same way you and I see each other and hear each other. We don't always know things as clearly as we wish they were known. But we believe in our Father in heaven. We believe that behind the tapestry, God is weaving blessings into our tragedies. God is weaving hope into our hopelessness. God is weaving meaning into our lives. The writer of Hebrews says it this way, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for but conviction of things not seen. 
the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. When we cry out to our Father in heaven, we cry out in faith. We believe that behind it all there is a personality. Behind it all is a personality that invites us to be a part of his family. Behind it all is a personality that reaches out to us in love and tenderness and compassion and mercy Behind it all is a God who invites us to respond to him. A preacher was visiting a children's Bible class, and he looked into these kids' serious faces, and he asked, why do you love God? And after a moment, there was a small voice that came from the back. The voice said, I guess it just runs in the family. I hope that loving God runs in the family. I hope it runs in our biological families and the families that we've chosen. I hope it runs in your families. I hope it runs through the family of this church because we're in this together. We're in this together as family. And we're in this together as a family of faith. This week as you're waiting on soccer practice to end... You feel the urge to pray. You don't know what to pray. Use the Lord's Prayer as a template. And think about the words, the words that you say. Our. Not just mine. But that father of everyone in church, of all of those who come to God in faith. Our. Father of my family, but also the father of Frank. Frank has not always gotten along with me, but I believe that he's going through some tough times. God, I pray for Frank. I know you love him. I know he's your child. And I pray that you would make yourself known to him. Our father. Think about the word father. Maybe fathers haven't had the best influence on you, but maybe you know somebody who's an extraordinary father. God, I'd like to know the kind of love that my friend Sam has for his kids. I'd like to believe that you have that kind of love for me. And then let your mind wander to the parable of the prodigal son where a father is waiting, waiting. He could have been angry He could have been perturbed, all upset that his son had wasted the family fortune. But instead, he gets up every morning and he scans the horizon looking for movement, looking for a figure to appear. And when that figure appears, he doesn't prepare an angry speech. I can't believe that you've wasted it all. I can't believe that you have shown your face again. No. He takes off running. And in the distance, he meets his son, and he embraces his son, and his son has this prepared speech himself. Father, I'm not worthy to be called your son, but the father cuts him off in mid-sentence, and he says to the servants, go and kill the fatted calf. For this son of mine, was lost, now is found, was dead, and now is alive again.
God's that kind of father. That kind of love flows from the person of God. The kind of love that reaches out again and again. Our father. Our father in heaven. Dear Christians, we're in this together. We're in this together as a family. We're in this together as a family of faith. Believing when we haven't seen. Trusting when we don't always know. But believing that by grace God has reached out to us and even today reaches out to you and to me that we may come and pray as the Lord taught us. And so I invite you now to pray this prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.